Good afternoon, and thank the good Lord above this is not a night game. Gabe DeArmon with you from the Memorial Stadium press box above Faro Field after a 30-27 Mizzou win over Kansas State on an SEC record 61-yard field goal off the right foot of Harrison Mevis, Missouri's first top 20 win since 2018. I, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to finish. Appreciate all you guys that are here live with us on the Yingling postgame show. I uh, want to, before we do get started, give a shout out to our game day partners, Yingling, the oldest brewery in America, presenting all of our game day content. And oh boy, is there going to be a whole bunch of it. I hope that you grab yourself a nice lager, a flight, whatever it is. You hang out with us for a while. I know we've got a ton of comments. I know we're late. Post game took a long time. Appreciate you guys being here and commenting. Appreciate Alex having gotten everything set up for us. Start putting up the comments. Start putting up the questions. You guys hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. We're going to be here for a little while because it's not midnight and we've got a little time. So we're going to bring Gerard Hamilton in. I don't know, man. I'm supposed to be like, I'm supposed to run this and like get things going. Where the hell do we start? Like, I, I just, where do you start after that one? Well, you know, this felt like the Auburn game in reverse. Because remember the Auburn game? I remember I was about to write my story twice and they had one. And they didn't. Like they just couldn't close it. Like Nebus's kick was just like, wow, he was from 26. And the same thing with Nate Pete. Here, we're still unsure it can go into overtime. Once they once they get that five-yard penalty, you start thinking 61. Like we don't know if he could do, you know, 56 after how he kicked earlier from 53, 54, whatever that was. He nailed it. And you oh man, that was crazy. I've never seen anything in person like that. That was a lot of fun. Uh, the fans stormed the field. Good for them. There's probably some people out there going, well, it's just K-State. No, man, that, that game was fun. These fans have been waiting up for that for a long time. This this program, this kicker, this quarterback, this coach, they have taken the heat. And, look, it's been deserved. I don't feel bad about anything I wrote last week. But had Eli Drinkwitz wanted to walk into the postgame room and go, you know what? F you and F you and F you. Fine. He earned that today. I said last week, whether he won three to two or 99 to two, it didn't matter. All they had to do was score one more point than Kansas State. It is a top 15 win. It is the best win he's had here. They deserve to be able to say absolutely anything they want after this. Oh, absolutely. And, and he kind of, Drake had a saving moment with me. I feel like indirectly because I feel like I'm, you know, I, I told a line. You, you were know, just I'm, the guy that happened to talk. Yeah, and I, you know, he said what he wanted to say. I feel like Brady Cook has, he's been played, you know, poorly at times, but I've also said he's not as bad as everybody makes him out to be. So I was trying to ask about Brady and how he completed. Uh, he had nine plays over 15 yards or more. And before I can even get that second part out, Drink hit me with the stop asking, the, the Nick Saban, just as far as like, why do people keep asking about Brady Cook and why he's the starter or what he can do? He was very emphatic that Brady's a good football player and he can do this. And the fact that the crowd, I didn't hear this like at the beginning of the game, but when the crowd, I guess, was apparently booing Brady to start the game, 
Like I've never seen or heard Drink ever pissed off the, at the crowd because he's always that's the first thing of every press conference win or lose. Thanks to the crowd, he was very pissed off that you know the fans treated him like this, and and Brady showed why he he deserves it. I'll shout out to Mitchell in chat. How about Mitchell Forty being on the show? The biggest win of the post Mitchell Forty era. Mitch, I'll be honest, man. This would have been the biggest win of the Mitchell Forty era. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so uh, hell of a win. But no, and look, I, I get why people have doubted Brady Cook. I get it. it. He's earned some of it. But you know what he also earned? The right to be a lot more emphatic than he will ever be publicly if he wants to. Right. I mean, he was given the chance, and he this is as close as Brady's ever going to come to saying it. But he said, all I've ever – this is my dream school. All I've ever wanted to do is play quarterback here. And I just wish everybody would want me to play quarterback here. Um, you can doubt a million things about Brady Cook. You cannot doubt his toughness. You cannot doubt his heart. And I understand that those do not necessarily win football games. But they won this one. And right. we had this discussion on the way up to the press box. All along, and I've said this too, Brady Cook is a game manager. He's not, he maybe won't lose you a game, but he's not going to go win you a game. Brady Cook went and he won them a football game today. Now, did he have some help? Sure he did. But Alex just popped up his stats. 23 of 35, 356, two touchdowns, had a touchdown running, did not turn the ball over, did not, as Drinkwood said, come particularly close to turning the ball over. He, I, I thought it was interesting. He said before Harrison Mevis went out on the field, he told Mevis, this is the one you've been waiting for. This is your opportunity. And that was Brady on that final drive. Brady Cook steps on the field. I forget exactly where they got the ball. I think it was their 24-yard line. And somewhere in Brady Cook's head has to be, this is the chance I've been waiting for literally my entire life on planet Earth. And you know what he did? He came through. And look, be happy for that kid, man. Whatever happens from here on out, that kid is never going to forget that day. And I think that's pretty damn cool. Yeah. That, I mean, for one, my first thought is just, and we were talking to, uh, about it at the end of the game, just every time it's a close game and Missouri's is on offense, it always feels like they're on offense and not their strong suit, which is on defense. It, they're on offense and it stalls. You can just see the coaching just quivering up and it gets very basic, no matter if they're leading by three or seven or if they're down by three or seven, whatever, you could just see them just kind of get frozen. And they didn't do that. I thought Brady Cook's uh, two-minute offense today was excellent. He had a good drive, I, I believe, before halftime. He had a good drive, obviously, to end the game. Like, he – that's as good as game, a good a game that you could really ask for. And he definitely carried – like you said about being a game manager, we've, we've called him – and I don't think this changes that. I, I'm going to be honest. I don't think this makes him – all of a sudden going to do this. It shows he he's the, capable of it. Exactly. He's capable of, of doing that. And for him to have the game he did, and then after he got hurt and still was able to ball out and not – he didn't even just revert to what he normally does, which is the underneath stuff. He was still throwing that uh, throwing that thing. He had four, four deep passes over 15 yards after the injury. So he wasn't shook about it at all. 
I think there was an adjustment period of two or three drives where the where the coaches weren't quite sure what Brady could do mm-hmm. when he had the knee injury. And, and look, I will I will go to the wall saying this: Eli Drinkwitz handled the last minute and a half of the first half correctly. He had a 17-14 lead. You don't screw that up. He did the right thing getting to halftime. And then in the third quarter, he said they didn't play well. There was an offensive adjustment. They were trying to figure out exactly what Brady could do. And he said at one point he went to Brady and said, I know you're never going to come out of a game, but if you can't win this game for us, you've got to tell me. And Brady said, I can. And then he went and did it. Um, And let's go ahead and address the elephant. They try to mess it up there for a minute. Like, like I tweeted at one point, like, that was two teams trading, oh, my God, what are you doing penalties in the last 10 minutes. I told you it was the Auburn game from last year. Yeah, Missouri had one, and then Kansas State had one. Don't forget that Kansas State took a delay a game on third and goal from three because, like, this was supposed to be a coaching mismatch, right? Chris Kleiman does everything well. His teams don't beat themselves. Drink beat him today because Kleiman screwed up the last two minutes of the first half. His team made some really bad mistakes. Oh, by the way, had Harrison Nevis missed that kick, he was going to get to kick another 56-yarder because Kansas State had two guys with number eight on the field at the same time. So that kick, I doubt Nevis knew it when he kicked it, but that was kind of a test run. He was going to get another chance. So anyway, they're at the what would have been 39-yard line. It's going to be a 56-yard field goal. They spiked the ball six seconds left, and Drinkwitz took full blame. He said, I screwed this up, boneheaded on my part. I asked Brady Cook what happened. Brady said, I'm going to be honest, I don't know. What happened was, I think it's six seconds left. Brady Cook and the offense expected Missouri to kick the field goal. And the coaching staff was acting like they were going to try to get another four-yard out to get Mevis four yards closer. They weren't on the same page. They huddled up on the sideline. By the time they realized, oh, my God, the clock is running, they couldn't get a playoff. So absolutely massive screw-up. But you know what? Like Drinkwood said, sometimes your players bail you out. And Harrison Mevis bailed him out. And if you want to nitpick on what went wrong and the offensive line wasn't good enough and Drinkwood screwed that up, and that's you do that if you want. But they just beat a top-15 team, man. I, I'm not really in the business of saying, well, they almost didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say that that play for this season, and when I say play, I mean the coaches. Because to me, it seemed almost as if, because Brady said the coaches were huddled, but they were on the field. It seemed as if they thought they called, it was like a timeout, essentially, when they kneeled it, because they knew the Yeah, they the thought clock. it was a timeout. Yeah, and they didn't have any timeouts. So that's that was kind of you know part of the mus- uh, miscue right there. But And we're going to remember that for the rest of the season as far as like he's just got to know. Even Brady Cook kind of was just like, yeah, dude, you can't be tripping like that. But they've got to know. But as far as down the line and stuff like like it doesn't matter. They won the game. And like you said, your players have to bail you out. If if they lose, I mean, hey, you talk about, you know, what goes on there, blah, blah, blah. But they win, and it's one of those things that just happen in the game. But, I mean, that's a, that's a way to kind of silence the critics, which includes me, who was saying, I don't know about this offense as far as, can they get to 24 or more points to be in a game like this? They haven't really shown it, you know, that they can kind of go toe-to-toe offensively with too many teams, and they proved it here today. Well, and here's the reason I didn't pick Missouri to win this game. They just won the game I didn't think they could win. 
a tie game with eight minutes and 53 seconds left, and they went and made the plays to win a close game. Good for them. They did what they haven't done. And it's okay if you had doubts coming in that they could do it because they hadn't done it. But they did it. And I'm really a firm believer. We talked about this earlier in the week on the midweek show. And Booth and Tobacco says one game can change a lot. Learning how to win is a skill. And doing it once makes it easier to do it the next time. Because the next time Brady Cook steps on that field with a minute 28 seconds left in one timeout, he's going to know he's done it before. The next time Harrison Mevis needs a 61-yard field goal, he's going to know he's done it before. The next time the Missouri defense goes out with the opposing team on the 50-yard line, they're going to know they've done it before. And that goes, that confidence goes a long-ass way for a team that, let's be honest, should be 5-0 and when LSU comes to town in three weeks. Yeah. I mean, I can only, I can only imagine how this stadium – We'll look week six when when that get yep man because it was it was a it was a sellout uh like it was like a good crowd out. today and, and there was a good amount of purple in here and there was obviously a lot of you know black and gold and all that stuff but yeah man they should they should they've got a role and what the only thing I'm if I'm a fan I would think of is don't shy away from what you did today offensively don't start. You know, you brought the plays out. Don't say, well, we just brought that out for K-State or the big games. Bring that out every game for the rest of the season. The way they got their tight ends involved, the way they got other receivers involved, some of the play designs like play action, bootlegs, and all that stuff where I was just like, we've never seen that. Even the first drive, we were just like, wow. They didn't come out and pistol single back and give it a Cody Schrader like usual. It just felt from the first play of the game, it felt like, all right, this is different. We don't really get to see any of this. Even Mm -hmm. though Brady Cook in the offense, as far as running the ball until like the fourth quarter, that was like 25 carries, 26 yards. It just felt different of how they got him going, how they got the offense going with, hey, let's just have Brady use his legs. And he's also still the quarterback, so he can really do whatever he wants in these situations. Let's do that because they're not preparing for that. That is something they did not put on tape as far as just like we're going to give Brady the hike instant, you know, QB draw or whatever it was. Like they need to keep that going for the rest of the season. And I think this is more the Missouri offense under Kirby Moore than the first two weeks were. Because look, guys, I asked Drinkwitz, I don't even remember what it was. Do you ever talk about, you know, holding something back, not putting everything on tape? And he said, no. And I knew he was lying and you knew he was lying and he knew he was lying and he knew we all knew he was lying. Well, you saw the proof of that today. Somebody asked him, hey, it looked like maybe you held a little something back. And he said, y'all write what you want. It's just not checkers. So, yes, he was holding back. And kudos to them for getting here. Uh, at 2-0 and now, I would have liked to see a little of that in the second half last week when it was 23-19. But they got here 2-0, and and that's all that – at the end of the year, ain't nobody going to look back and go, well, it doesn't count because you only beat Middle Tennessee by four. Doesn't matter. They won the game. This erases any bad feeling from last week. That oh, yeah. it erases it all. Yeah, yeah. And somebody just said, uh, I think it said a super chat. It said, "Talk about Brett Norfleet real quick." That yeah. catch on the sideline. Oh yeah, great catch. I mean, that's a that's big time. That's a SEC football level catch. That's a a, a playmaking type catch because from the press box, I seen it a mile away. The guy was about to light him up, and when I seen Brett that open, but I seen the guy coming over, I was just like. 
I don't know. And he was able to get both feet down and snag the ball. And then he had an earlier catch on some type of drag or cross. Drag or yeah. Yep. And he got 15 yards. And you said to me, that's all they need a tight end to do. Catch the ball and get an extra five yards after it, and you're good. And so we've been seeing catches like this. I've been seeing catches, one-hand catch, all types of weird catches from Northfleet and Harris. You know, yep. and Harris didn't have, you know, the same role, but still, like the tight ends, the, last week I couldn't tell. If you told me none of the tight ends played, I would have believed you. I noticed them today. They actually they made a difference today. And if they can get them involved, I mean, again, opening the offense. How many times does it feel like they're playing 10 on 11? Because the tight ends, you know, are just aren't a part of it. And this offense, like we're talking about Norfleet, but we should talk about some other guys too, because mm -hmm. like yeah. the first two weeks, this offense was Luther Burton. That's all it was. Yes. Luther Burton and handoffs. Well, Luther had seven for 114 today. He's got 320 yards receiving or 300 and 326 yards receiving in three games. He's the best player on this offense. There's not a question about it. Theo Weiss, six for 72. Mookie Cooper, four for a career high, 79. Norfleet, two for 40. True freshman Marquise Johnson, 42-yard catch. Uh, Schrader had a catch. Stevens had a catch. Pete had a catch. Dennis Jackson should have had a catch. That is nine guys that were targeted, eight guys with a reception. That wasn't happening in the first two weeks. And Luther Burden is not going to average 108 yards a game if he's the only guy you're throwing the football to. Yeah. There have to be some other guys to take pressure off of them, and there were. Like, look, we openly questioned Mookie Cooper. The entire board did. Good for that kid, right? I mean, he had a big game today. Huge. Huge. I mean, this is what they needed. So, uh, again, everything that happened today, I mean, besides obviously getting the win last week and getting this week, just felt like the opposite. Because I felt like it was maybe, what, four people who had a catch? And most of it was, like, Burden had 10 targets and the receivers had 14 targets as a whole. So, I mean, it's just – it was huge for so many people to get in. And then when you you just brought up Marquise Johnson and that 42-yard catch, there was a couple throws from Brady Cook where we're like, how how did he get that in there? Because right before the Marquise Johnson – right before that. The OEs were – we was just like, mm, I don't know. And it, I don't know how he did it, but right in the bread basket over an outstretched defender's arm, like Brady was not just, I know we keep, we was talking about receivers, but the way this guy was throwing the ball today, it wasn't like he was just getting lucky and saying, oh, it's a jump ball. He was putting the ball in the receiver's hands and like that 47 yard touchdown to Burden, he actually led Burden to the ball. And, and like, how, what did we say the problem was in the first two weeks? I never saw anybody high school open. Luther was high school open on that play. Luther was eight yards behind everybody. And then he had another deep one to Luther that, I mean, just off his fingertips. But, like, you can't throw the ball much better. Uh, it, you know, it was just a, it was just missed. Um, And then, look, you know what? That touchdown to Luther, man, the second one, I mean, it was just a, it, it was just raise up and throw the ball straight out to him. And then Luther just speed to the sideline. And I feel terrible for the Kansas State defensive back that has to watch that touchdown on film. Because that dude had ligaments torn in his body with the move Luther put on him outside. I, it was it was it was tough. But again on that play, that was something where even Luther said, I think Luther and Brady both said, like, I was pretty much a decoy on that play. And so I wasn't. Yeah, 
he wasn't, wasn't supposed to get the ball. I wasn't even supposed to be getting the ball, but Brady scanned the field. He saw that there was pressure coming to him, and he knew he had to get the he had to get the ball out. And then obviously Luther, he even called himself that touchdown Luther. He knew he had to make a play, and and he did. So that's just a all around great day on both sides. Well, great day on offense, defense. They did what they needed to do when they did it. Some things to work yeah. on, but it was just a great, great game for Missouri. Yeah, not a great day, but hey, you hold a power five team and like K-State's got some guys. You held them to 27 mm-hmm. points. You got off the field when you had to. It wasn't yeah. perfect, but this ain't a video game, guys. It's not going to be perfect. Javon, thanks, man, for for the tip there. And appreciate all you guys, not only who are hanging out here, but but a few of you have, have tossed us uh, a little extra uh, finances, and and we really appreciate that. You and our friends at Yingling allowing us to to do this and to bring this to you after every home game this year, and and most of the road games too, honestly. Um, but I, I said to somebody after that second touchdown by Luther, I said, "Recruiting rankings aren't always right, but they were right about that kid. He's special." <laughs> and Here's another thing I want to say. Like, he was in the post-game interview room. That kid genuinely comes off as liking liking this place, and he likes being here. And that's that's not for nothing because, like, it would be easy for that kid to feel too big for this program, I think, to feel like I'm doing these guys a favor. There's nobody as good as me on this team. He genuinely seems to like these guys. And I, I asked him how much it opens up the offense when other guys get involved. And he said, look, man, we got some dudes here. Y'all just don't seem to know it yet. You know, um, like I think he's genuinely happy for his teammates and, 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 and all the other guys that are getting involved. Yeah, I mean, and it helps him. At the end of the day, it's going to help him. I said he'd probably get something like around 700, 750 yards. And – Ideally, he's going to probably have a thousand at at this pace he's going. But the reason behind that was because you were expecting we were expecting the offense and the the wide receivers and the tight ends to get in a little bit more in these couple games. But this isn't even about them. Like, regardless if they come in and help or not, he's gotten so much better, you know, at all aspects. I don't know. Have we seen him drop a catch yet? Because remember last year he he had a couple times where he had one today that I don't know if it was a drop. It was close. Wait, are you talking um, about that deep pass? Not the deep pass. There was one in the first half. I, I don't – it was over the middle. He could have uh, caught it. But he's been way better. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, as far as drops, I mean, was it a play where he was getting hit on contact or something? I'm talking about he had some – there was a couple plays last year where he just dropped, like, wide open. He's just too ready mm-hmm. to look at where he's going. He doesn't do that. He's absorbing contact well. He's running. There was a play where he caught something in the flat, and I and I said to everybody, like, if he goes to the outside, he gets the first down. He goes to the outside, evades the first defender, and he goes inside a little bit to run through someone to pick up the first down. Like, he's not only absorbing contact, but, you know, he's kind of seeking it out sometimes mm-hmm. and letting people know, like, you're going. it's going to need more than one guy to take me down. So, I mean, he's a big-time guy. All right, so let's flip over to the other side of the ball. As two guys who have watched things like Steve Spagnuolo bring zero blitz on third and 27, I kind of like watching Blake Baker call a game, man. That dude, that dude's going to bring the heat. Um, He did it on K-State's first three third downs, uh, and he got burned once. Once it led to a touchdown, but once it kept him out of the end zone to a field goal. uh, And the biggest play of the game 
the third down, and I don't even remember the distance, but where K-State had to punt the ball with two minutes to go, he only brought four, but he did it in a way that he brought Dalen Carnell and dropped one of the linemen into coverage, and K-State didn't know where Carnell was coming from. Like, Blake Baker has done a lot with this defense. Oh, yeah. I mean, remember last year he said he was kind of basically keeping it vanilla because he was the one coming in. He didn't want to change things up too much, and you're kind of seeing, like, that variety when it comes to the blitz packages. And this is why – this is, again, another reason why Drake told me at SEC Media Days, like, I don't know why you guys are worried about the edges because it's not like we're a four-down lineman type, but we're not just going to send four with pressure. Like, we're going to bring guys regardless. And so, in fact, I think the blitzing is helping the defensive ends at this rate. For one, it's not as much pressure because, like, pressure on them mentally, like, you got to make a play. They're going to send guys. And on top of that, it it just kind of helps them, like – I don't know, it feels like it gives them a, a type of confidence. And I asked Johnny Walker about, like, how do you feel? Because you were basically the really only question they had on defense as far as could the edges play and could you play more specifically with D-Rob on the defensive end? And he's just like, yeah, I can. And he's showing it with five tackles a sack in the CFL today. Like, he's a, a guy, and he brings some speed off the edge. That I see some people in the chat are saying, like, they didn't even have this last year with Coleman and, and uh, McGuire because those more kind of power – no bull rush type of guys. He's bringing some speed off the edge. So, I mean, it's great all around on this defense. Who do you think the best defensive player was today? Tyron Hop. Like, I, I would, I want to, I want to say that before you even get a Tyron. I would agree it was probably Hopper. I would put Chris Abrams drain and David Carnell yeah. in the conversation. Um, yeah. Now, look, yeah. they, they missed, yeah, there were some missed tackles. The only the only nit I would pick with the defense is they missed some tackles. Hopper missed a big one on third down. KAD missed a couple. I know Carnell missed one or two. The, the, it's going to happen. Um, but I thought those guys. I thought all three of them. You know, a KAD had the he had the interception. He had a pass breakup in the yeah two, the yeah, two pass breakups. Yeah, in the corner of the end zone is the one I remember. Yeah. Um, and here's the difference to me today. Missouri has been asking this defense to be perfect. They didn't have to be perfect today. They beat the number 15 team in the country with a defense that was good but not perfect. And that is such a gigantic step for where this program has been. Yeah. I mean, this game in, a, in ways felt like uh, the South Carolina game last year because they did hold South Carolina to, to 10. But that game felt like just a little bit offensively. That was a game where uh, – I don't know if Cook had any interceptions or anything like that, but he just played so much better compared to their game. I think it was at versus Vanderbilt the week before. It just felt like the offense did a little bit more, you know, and that's what they did today where as far as like the defense isn't necessarily the greatest thing, but they, you know, they played pretty well. And I wonder how much confidence this gives the defense and the offense knowing like, okay, guys, we don't have to make every single play. And, and I wish we would have gotten KAD or Darius or Hopper to ask that question. Cause like I asked it of Johnny Walker, but Johnny Walker's made his third play, a third start. I, I mean, he's not the right guy to answer that yet. You asked Darius Robinson, how much more confidence do you have in your offense after today? I promise he's going to tell you. And it's a lot. Um, and as many times was, as we get those guys, we didn't get, we didn't get them today. <laughs> today is complimentary football, man. I am not out of Sprite, T-Rise. I still got a little bit left. Unfortunately, there was no snapper left in the visiting AD's box. But, um, uh, no, but it was complimentary football. I mean, they don't win that game without Brady Cook, 
without Luther Burden, without Mookie Cooper, without Harrison Mevis, without you, without a lot of the, you take any one of those things away and they lose this football game. And Dennis asked the question, was today the breakthrough moment for Drake? Now I'm going to say, ultimately, we don't know for six to eight more weeks, right? We don't know. I think this keeps the possibility of a special season there, right? Like you couldn't have a great season if you lost this game. Now you can. Oh, by the way, you seen the Georgia score, Gerard? 14-3 South Carolina, third quarter. Mm. Wow. I think maybe we uh, – I think maybe today changes what we look at as the potential ceiling for this team, especially if that result holds. I don't think it will, but um, it, if you can win this game, I don't know. Why not at 5-0 and take your chances with LSU? Why not take your chances with Tennessee? I'm not saying Missouri's going 11 and one, but I'm just saying today changed the ceiling for me. And I asked Drink, I said, would you, if I gave you a choice between program changing and program affirming, what would you say? And I knew what he was going to say because no coach is going to say a program changing, right? He's going to do what Dan Campbell did after they beat the Chiefs. Hey, I didn't learn anything. I just learned what I already knew. Um, we don't know if this is program changing, but it has the potential to be program changing. Yeah, I mean, I think we said like basically best case scenario was uh, like nine and three ish. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still. I told you guys, based on the quarterback play, it was going to be eight and four for me. Um, Brady Cook, and obviously, I didn't predict. Missouri to win going into this game, but they're I think eight and four becomes the new like how I was saying seven to five, eight and four now, and now you kind of see like it's nine and three. Can you get to that next step? Um, that that middle part of the schedule is that's still going to be hard, and I think for me Missouri's going to have to show me consistency that like all right we beat a really good K State team that should be levels above Memphis. They can't. They can't win kind of like they won last week versus MCSU. They kind of got to show something to kind of, you know, to make it seem like it's the same. But, yeah. I feel good, but um, all that matters is the W. Um, You know, I just – and and I want to say again, like, this is redemption for a lot of guys. And like I said at the beginning, hey, they deserve to be able to flip us a bird and tell us whatever they want to tell us. But also – I don't think anybody should feel bad for doubting them at 23-19 after Middle Tennessee State. It's okay. Because what did we say on here last week? All you can judge them on is the evidence they presented. Last week, the evidence wasn't very good. Well, you know what? Now we got some new evidence. Why, Why would I sit here and just say the same thing I said last week when they've given me something different to look at? Yeah. Versus a much better team. It's not like this is in right. in reverse. You know, this is a much better team, um, a, a big win. Now, also another part of me thinks, you know, just how much is this, a, a, you know, how much of it, like it being a rivalry game plays into this, though, because uh, we had Kevin on from, from Kansas State rival site, and he was just talking about, like, it's a rivalry game. You kind of got to throw off everything because on the worst day, or, I mean, a bad team, I mean, can beat, uh, you know, a good team or whatever on their best day or whatever, like, So I wonder how much of that plays into it. and Can they carry this to an LSU game or something like that? This is why they play games, right? I mean, this is is why we don't just say, well, this team looks better, so they're going to win. Brent Therese was asking if this – 
this was the longest field goal in Mizzou history. It's not oddly, it's an SEC record and not a Mizzou record. Tom Whalehan has a 62 yarder back in the in the 80s. Um, but uh I can't remember what you were just talking about, honestly. Um, I had something I was gonna say, but uh, as far as it being a rivalry game and oh yeah, know. yeah, yeah. So last year, a lot of Missouri fans felt like Missouri didn't play that up enough, right? Um, they felt like Kansas State really cared about this matchup coming into the game and and what happened in Manhattan happened. Well, it meant something to these guys. I mean, Brady Cook said this was revenge. They never used that word. Players never use that word, and he used it today. He said it meant more because of last year. Mookie Cooper said we re- we saw everything on social media, and it felt good to shove it back in their mouths. You know, um, this one meant more. Now, the key for this team, if they've really turned a corner, like you said, is, all right, bring that intensity against Memphis. Care that much against Vandy in two weeks. Not just for the big games. Don't just get up for Georgia or K-State or LSU. You get up for – every game and play closer to your a game than you have been playing in those games. And that's where the corner is turned. Yeah. I got a question for you. Do you think Missouri should be ranked after this game? And if so, where do you think they, they fit in in that? I mean, if Kansas state's 15th and they just beat Kansas state. Yeah. I don't think they will be. I think they'll get votes and be a little bit outside, which is fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't care if they're five and oh, they're going to be ranked. You sure. know, I mean, you ain't going to be five and zero with two power five wins and not ranked. So, um, you know, it'll come soon enough. I, I almost think for the fan base, I think it'd be better if they were like 27th next week. So the fan base can continue to say, see, nobody thinks we're any good. Nobody likes us. That's cool. This team use whatever you got to use. man. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, I think they, I, I can make an argument. They should be a top 25 team because uh, they just beat. Like, I don't think Kansas State's a top 10 team, but I think Kansas State's a top 25 team. I mean, they're certainly a, well, they're certainly a top 15 team, and they're certainly, I still think they're a top 20 team. I don't think they should offer 3.61. Like, I don't think they probably drop, you know, that much, but I definitely feel the same. If Missouri's anywhere from, like, 23 to 25 or just on the outside looking in, that's about right to me. Yeah, I mean, to me, they have to be ranked above Kansas State. They just beat them. How can you rank Kansas State higher than Missouri? Do you feel like that's more likely that Missouri jumps in the standings and gets over Kansas State, or do you think it would be like Kansas State brought down and Missouri's on the outside looking in? Because I think it's more of the second option, though. I think Kansas State will be ranked ahead of Missouri, and I think that's stupid. But I think all rankings are stupid. Uh, Drew's asking if the start of this season reminds me of any others. Um, I, I don't know. That's tough. 2007 and 13, they were dominant right out of the gate. This is, I think the ceiling for this team would be like the 2010 team that finished 10 and two. Um, You know, they lost to K-State or to Texas Tech and Nebraska in back-to-back weeks. They were a really good team, not an elite team. They had a really good season. I think that's probably the, uh, probably kind of the, the comp I would make for this team. And I see Brad Filbert said the same thing, almost lost to, South Dakota State, and then they beat number one Oklahoma. I, I think that's probably the the best comp. But but look, that'll all be proven out over the next uh, next six or seven weeks. Um, man, Gerard, I I haven't even really started to think about like how I'm formulating what I'm writing and stuff. Do you do you kind of have an idea what what people are going to read from you after this? 
Um, obviously, it's going to have something to do with Mevis early on, but Brady Cook, I, I just think he's the story of the game and best game of his career. And I think a big moment in what Drink said was just kind of like it starts at halftime in a way because he asked Brady, like, can you go? And if you can't go, you've got to, you know, you got that warrior mentality or whatever, but you got to let me know if you cannot go or not. And he clearly could. And he led them down there pretty quickly on that, on that last drive to, to get in field goal range. And that, like we said over and over that mishap with the, with drink and the, the timeout or spike ball or whatever, that's not him. So he did exactly what he needed to do. And he kind of proved like in the Auburn game, like, Sometimes you don't expect it from him, but he can do things like that where he leads them down the field and gets them in the range to kick a field goal to win the game. Like he's now shown that a couple times. And so the hate, the hate for Brady Cook gotta gotta die down. And I want to be clear here. Um, this is not what I'm writing because today is a day for well done, all of you. Well done. But a lot of people, a lot of athletes tell you, don't listen to your critics. And don't listen to the people that praise you. Eli Drinkwitz's next challenge is going to be come do this again. Get your feet back on the ground and show everybody that the team they saw today, that's who we are. Um, and so that's what the next nine weeks are about, is, is, is repeating this as many times as you can. Um, but look, guys, this is the one you've been waiting for for a long time. Uh, this is Missouri's first 3-0 and start since 2018 i don't think they've been 4-0 since 2014 that's where they'll get if they beat memphis um it's eli's first top 20 win it's the first top 20 win since 2018 when uh missouri beat uh, number 11 florida like today's a good day and you should absolutely enjoy it they should all enjoy it and you worry about the future in the future um but Today was a lot of fun. It, it really was. Like, Gerard, when did you know he made that kick? Because I didn't know till the official's arm went up. Because I, I didn't – I wasn't sure it went over the crossbar from where we were. I mean, I kind of seen – I seen the – like, I was recording it on my phone, and I kind of seen that the end is – I didn't see the ball the whole way, basically, until it got to the end. So, like, I guess a second before the, the officials put their hands up. But when I say 61 is just crazy considering here's, here's, here's what I want to know. Would it have been good from 62? I I gotta see <laughs> a replay of how of, of how close it was, but I don't know. It looked on his 53 yarder like I couldn't see how how that went, but it, it felt like it was dying a little bit wherever it landed. So I guess the win. Drink said the wind kind of yeah. helped it and, and how that was going. So that plus the crazy it was thing is, too. The crazy thing is Miva said on the 53 yarder he hit the ground first. Dude, I mean yeah, so it's basically still, just stubbed his foot. And he still got there. That's like a dude hitting a, banging his driver six inches behind the ball and still hitting it 280. I'll take that. You know. Uh, but yeah, a lot of fun. Um, we're gonna have a ton of stuff. Connor has already sent me uh, the, the replays of Eli Drinkwitz and Luther Burden. We will have all the post-game interviews on the site for you guys. Gerard's got a story coming. I've got a column coming. We'll do all our usual Sunday content. 
appreciate all you guys hanging out here with us. We got up over 500. I guess that's just what we're going to do now. The games just keep getting bigger. Um, while you're here, thank you to everybody who tipped, liked, subscribed, do all those things for us. Um, before you check out, if you're listening on the podcast, which I'll put together, share some, share it on social media. And look, guys, here's the best deal. It's 434. I know a bunch of you guys have been drinking already. Um, but like you got a lot of hours left to drink. So you go out, you get yourself a yingling. As they say, you log her up and enjoy the content on the site. Uh, I want to thank uh, thank Yingling for being our presenting sponsor of everything on game day. Uh, I picked up a bunch more koozies before the game. We got some of those. We'll get to some of you guys. And uh, thanks to Alex for hanging out and running the show behind the scenes. Thanks to Gerard for joining us. And uh, guess what? You guys don't even have to give us crap for our predictions being wrong because you're happy. So that's what happened. If, if we pick them to lose and they win, you're just happy anyway. You don't focus on us. So uh, exactly. enjoy the rest of the day. We're going to get to work. We'll talk to you next time.